0: Turn, if you would, this morning to the book of Romans, the book of Romans. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we are glad to be in your house today, and Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity that we can open up your word and let it speak to us. And God, I pray that today would be the day that you would allow some spiritual victory to be won Some sin to be defeated in our lives once and for all i pray lord that today would be the day that just some things could happen that need to happen in in our personal lives lord i pray that uh, no more games would be played that lord you just help us to serve you in the way that we ought and that today would be a turning point uh, for those who may be struggling for those who may be having a difficulty uh, to make that decision to really walk with you and to serve you in the way that they ought God, I pray that you'd help me to be the man that I'm supposed to be. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I think most of you know that for the last several weeks we have been dealing with this subject and we have been dealing with this... Uh, thought of who is God. And it's a study that's gone on a little over four and a half months now and it's one that I've enjoyed. It's one that's been a help to me and I hope it's been a help to you. But this morning is going to be the final sermon from this study. And someone may say, well you didn't even deal with this or you didn't address this. You didn't talk about this. Whatever it may be. And to that I would say, you're right. I didn't. I didn't preach on this. I didn't preach on that. And there are a few reasons for that. And the first reason, just so that you know, is this, is that going into this study I was fully aware that there is no way that you can exhaust a study on who God is. Uh, God is so far uh, above us and God is so high above us that there's simply no way that I could ever preach every aspect of who God is. And so this morning, I I acknowledge that I may have skipped over something that you think is vital or something that is essential. And so if you think that needs to be brought to my attention, feel free to bring it to my attention after the service. And in the weeks to come, I may have an amendment, all right? And we may add something to this study. But as of right now, this is where we're going to conclude things, and I trust that it will be a help to us. That being said, this morning, I'd like us to think about this truth. I'd like us to think about this thought. That the words a person uses to express themselves can be very, very powerful. Would you agree with that? That the words a person chooses in order to express themselves, those words can be very, very powerful. I've said in our home on different occasions that words matter. What I say and what you say, they matter. Because what we say, the words that we choose, how we communicate, it's important. It really is. And so sometimes the way that a person speaks, it could be used to convey something that might stir a particular emo- emotion or thought that would not be particularly positive. I may have touched on this before, but I'll just use it again by way of example. But I can remember growing up, my mom saying something like this, we'll deal with this when we get home. Friends, she was trying to provoke a certain thought in my mind when she said that. She was trying to let me know, it may be over right now, but it's not over. We're just hitting the pause button right now. We'll deal with this when we get home. There were other things, though, that could be said that would stimulate or provoke a different kind of thought. As a child, like most children, if I had heard the words something like this, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese or we're going to Toys R Us, that would have stirred up some happy thoughts, some positive thoughts. But nonetheless, those words were able to stir up, they were able to provoke, and they were able to to make certain things come to mind Uh, what they were trying to communicate to me as a child. That being said, I think that we also understand this, that sometimes a statement is meant to be neutral, but it can still conjure up certain thoughts, certain ideas in the minds of people, but it is dependent upon the person who has heard those words. You understand that as well, do you not? So I don't know what you're talking about, so let me... Explain or illustrate. Somebody may say something like this, it's 60 degrees outside today. Now, I don't know what the temperature really is, but if they said it's 60 degrees outside, that is a statement of fact. Now, what a person then does with that statement of fact is dependent upon them. They may say something like this in their minds, well, finally, it's warming up a little bit, and that makes them happy. Or they may say something like this, man, it's already cooling off to 60 degrees. I don't want that to happen. Okay, I don't know how the person is going to respond, but it is dependent upon the person who hears it as to how they process this statement of fact. So do you understand what I'm trying to communicate this morning? Sometimes statements are made and it's intended to try to bring up this response or to stir up this kind of a response. And and other times something else could be said and it will create a different response. And And other times a statement is made simply as a presentation of this is how it is and how the person responds is dependent upon them, but it's not dependent upon the one who made the statement. Now, why mention that? Why say that? Why bring all this to our attention? Well, this morning I want us to think about a couple of things as we enter into the book of Romans. First, I'd like us to consider this, that it was written by a man that we refer to as the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Why is that important? It's important for this reason. Because to be the Apostle that he was, that means that Paul was an ambassador for God. He was a mouthpiece for God. He was one who gave to the people the heart of God, the thoughts of God, the words of God. The Apostle Paul was not one who was out on a mission to spread his message. He was on a mission to spread the message of God. So as you read through the scripture, here's what you find, is that Paul is not constantly inserting his opinion. He is not constantly inserting his thoughts, his ideas, the way that he thinks it needs to be. Whenever Paul writes the letters that we, that we have preserved for us, whenever Paul writes to the different churches, the different regions... Here is what we have recorded. We have the word of God recorded and preserved on our behalf. On the few occasions that Paul gave his opinion or gave his thoughts on a matter, he was honest enough to admit that this is my opinion, not the opinion of God. And so where Paul did not say this is my opinion or these are my words, my thoughts, then here is what we as Bible believers have to believe, we have to be grounded and sure of this, is that what we have recorded is then no longer the words of man, but truly it is the word of God given to us for our benefit. So as we keep that in mind, keep this in mind also, just by way of a little bit of context, "...that the letter written to the church in Rome was intended to be read primarily by believers, those who had already placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation." We understand that there is much in the letter to the church in Rome that is a benefit and that is a help to lost people that would show them their need of salvation, that would show them of their personal need of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We understand that, but the primary audience, the primary target of this letter was fellow believers, those who had already placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So as we keep that in mind this morning, if you make your way to chapter 14, here's what you discover. In Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul is trying to help the believers. He is trying to give them some insight. He is trying to give them some understanding. And in doing so, here's what we find whenever we pick up in chapter 14. We find that what Paul is explaining to fellow believers is this is that not every believer is going to come to the same conclusion in regard to every single matter. you understand this? The Apostle Paul would have never varied or even opened up the idea or or considered the idea of, of compromising on certain things But there were certain issues in life where the Apostle Paul makes clear, hey, listen, we're not all going to come to the same conclusion as it relates to every matter. So if you were to ask the Apostle Paul, Paul, how does a person get saved? Paul, how does a person get a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? How can a person know that they are on their way to heaven when they die? The Apostle Paul would have said this with no doubt, with no uncertainty, this is what you must do. You must place your faith in Jesus Christ. You must call upon Him and ask Him to save you. That is what you must do to be saved. Well, Paul, do you think there's any other way that a person can be saved? Paul, do you believe that there's any other road to Christ? Do you believe that there's any other way that a person can gain entrance into heaven and into God's, uh, uh, into God's glory? Is there any other way that that can be done? Here's what Paul would have said. There is no other way. He was not open to discussion on certain truths. He was not open to to different ideas related to certain doctrinal truths. But there were also areas in life where Paul knew this that the scripture or that the heart of God is not dogmatic, it is not set in stone. And so there will be times that people come to different conclusions related to different matters. So what example does he give in the book of Romans in the 14th chapter? Well, he talks about the subjects of what a person may or may not eat, and what day they may or may not worship he says in the opening verses of this chapter that some believe it's okay to eat this while others believe it's not okay and some may worship on this day while someone else may worship on another day and what paul is essentially going to say is this is listen that is not a fundamental and that is not something that is absolute and people are going to vary on these subjects or on these issues Now, I think most of us today know that for many of us, at least in our culture, those are not real big issues of contention and things that we fuss about or debate or argue over, right? Right. Most of us are not sitting around saying to ourselves, listen, you shouldn't be eating that and that's wrong and that's sin and that's wicked and that's ungodly. And if you eat that, you're not right with God. We, We may say, hey, listen, that's not healthy. You probably shouldn't eat it. But we don't equate that to a spiritual issue, correct? Okay. Most of us, we're, we're pretty much set in this idea of attending church on Sunday, and, and we would say we like to attend church on a Wednesday night, but, but we do know this, that some people in different areas and in different regions and for different reasons, they may assemble on a Saturday or they may assemble the, for the midweek service on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night, and we can't look at them necessarily and say, you are wrong and you are out of the will of God because you worship on a Thursday night instead of a Wednesday night. That's not really an issue with us, right? I don't suspect that it is anyway. So those would be preferences, and Paul was trying to explain that back in their day, and, and today we still have issues of preference that are different than theirs, but it's the same idea, right? People would say something like this. Well, is it okay to go here, or is it not okay to go here? Well, it would somewhat depend on what the place of conversation was and what it was about, but but sometimes if a person says, well, is it okay to go here and is it okay to do this? You can't really take him to Scripture and say, yes, here's a verse that would say you can or cannot. That is left to the liberty of the believer in relation to whatever that may be. I'm trying to give us some context to where we're headed on this, okay? Uh, Somebody may say something like this, well, can I wear that? Well, I can't look at the scripture and say you can or cannot wear that. So what we have to then depend upon is that person's liberty or that person's uh, freedom to maybe wear or not wear this, Uh, but that would be between them and the Lord, kind of like can I go here or go there, or kind of like can I eat this or can I not eat this. Somebody may say, well, is it okay for my family to do this? Well, I can't point you to a scripture that says you can or you can't. I would just say you've got to pray about that, and you've got to know that you can or you can't before God. Not everything is absolute, and the Apostle Paul is fairly clear on that. People are going to vary to an extent. But see, in the church of Rome, you had some of the same things happening then that happen now. What they wanted was for everyone to be like them. And if everyone would be like them, then everyone would be okay. And that is a struggle even present in our day today, is it not? If you'll be like me, then I'll know you're okay with God. Well, that may not necessarily be the case. It may be that someone is a little bit different than us, and again, not in essentials, not in in those things that are absolute and, and, and established in the Word of God, but it is possible that someone can be different from us than in certain areas, and, and they can still be right with God as hard as it is for our minds to grasp that. So as Paul is writing this and as Paul is addressing all this, he asked a question in verse number 10. In verse number 10 of chapter 14, he asked this question, but why dost thou judge thy brother? What does it mean to judge? It means this, to pass judgment. Why are you making decrees? And why are you handing out declarations of your brethren based on the subjects I've just given you by way of example? And so why are you supposing and why is it that you are Concluding in your mind that you are the one to pass judgment on your brother in areas of life where the subject matter is not concrete in the Word of God. He goes on to ask this question, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? What does it mean to set it not thy brother? It means this. To despise them or to lightly esteem them. It would be to, to discredit them or to devalue them. Well, well, why would you do that? Well, because they're not like me. Have we ever been guilty of something of that nature? You know, they don't do it the way that I do it. They don't do it the way our family does it. That They don't do some of the things that we do. They do some things that I wouldn't do. And because of that, well, they're probably not measuring up in the way that they ought. Uh, when did we become the standard of that in areas that are not biblical, that are not, again, scriptural or absolutes? That's really not our place to do that, the Apostle Paul says. So he is challenging them. He is questioning them. Why would you do this? Why are you setting them at naught? Why are you devaluing them and discrediting them? Why are you despising them? Because they may do something that you don't do. And then a very simple statement that many of us are familiar with. Paul said this in verse number 10. For we shall all stand... Before the judgment seat of Christ. Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to fellow believers, correct? He is writing to some who have determined I am not allowed to eat this particular kind of meat and we have to worship on this particular day in order to be right with God. And at the same time, he is writing to another group with another position on the subject of meat and they have a varying opinion from what the other group may have. They're in the same church. Someone may say, well, I think we ought to worship on this day and it's different than what somebody else may say. And Paul simply reminds them of this. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, friends, more than anything, you know what that is? That is a declaration of fact. Paul's not necessarily trying to excite them. He's not necessarily trying to scare them. He's not trying to encourage. He's not trying to discourage. He is simply bringing a fact before the believers there in the Church of Rome. He is saying, Listen, every one of us, we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's fairly clear then as to who will not stand before, right? The Apostle Paul said. I mean, think about this. If if they were going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, they would not stand before the judgment seat of themselves, they would not be the standard by which they were measured. So they would not stand before Christ and say, Well, Christ, this is what I think. And Christ, this is what I feel. And and Christ, this is what I believe. And based on that, you pretty much have to accept it because that's who I was. Listen, they were not going to stand before Christ and them get to be the standard by which they were judged. Well, you know what we need to be reminded of? One day we'll stand before Christ. And when we stand before Christ... It will not be our standard that we are measured against because if it was our standard that we were measured against, then every one of us would be a success in the Christian life. So it will not be the standard of man and their own personal opinions that they will Be judged by It will be by the truth of God's word That's found in the book of John But somebody else that they'll not stand before Paul makes clear whenever he says We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ It's this You'll not stand before the judgment seat of your peers Why is that important? Because Paul is communicating this truth Without saying it in so many words He is communicating this truth that it's not your day, your culture, that will judge you and determine what kind of individual you were. Now, how is that helpful to you and I? Well, it's helpful, I think, for this reason. We need to be reminded that the standard that will be measured against will never be the culture that we're a part of. You know, compared to our culture, most of us, with very little effort, can look pretty decent these days. Without a whole lot of effort, most of us can look and sound pretty godly. Without a whole lot of effort, most of us can look pretty exceptional in the spiritual realm of things. And so we've got to be reminded that that when we stand before Christ... It's it's not going to change any. It's not going to alter any. We are still going to stand before Christ and his standard and not the standard of our peers or our contemporaries, those who we live beside and, and work beside today. So it won't be ourselves that we stand before. It won't be our peers and those that we surround ourselves with. I think we need to be reminded sometimes of this whenever he says that that we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It won't be our family who gets to determine what kind of folks we were. Statement of fact. It won't be family that determines what kind of people we were. You know, grandma probably thinks we're pretty decent people. Uncle Bob and Aunt Judy think we're good people. You know, my my children think I was a really good dad and a really good mom. Well, well, that may be, but they're not the ones that will ever stand before. It's not my kids that I'll have to give you know, this answer to because what we find is this as we go down to verse number 12. Again, just another simple statement of fact. He said, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. What was he saying? What was he communicating? What was he writing to these believers there in that church? He was saying this, listen, one day you will stand before God and you will have to give an answer For the life God gave you. If he gave you 20 years, you'll have to give an answer for that. If he gave you 30 years, you'll have to give an answer for those. If he gave you 40, 50, 60, 70 years, whatever it is, you will have to give an answer to God and give an account of yourself to him. What was he reminding the believers of? He was reminding the believers of this. Hey, listen, Not everything is as black and white as you may want it to be. Not everything may be as cut and dry as you would like it to be. There are going to be differences. There are going to be people who come down on different sides of certain issues. And again, where it's not absolute, where it's not concrete, where it's not a fundamental, you need to accept that. But there was a spirit of those in the church who wanted everybody to be like them. And Paul said, why are you judging in that manner? And why are you uh, setting it not? Why Why are you doing this to those that you serve beside, that you worship beside? Why are you doing that? You need to be reminded we're going to stand before Christ and no one else. So here's what I'd like to present to us this morning in this final message from this study. If we were to go to the Apostle Paul and we were to say, tell us a little bit at least from your perspective, from from your position, your understanding of what you know of God, tell us who God is. I think it's fair to say that if he didn't use these exact words, he would communicate this thought based on what we deal with in this chapter I think Paul would say something to this effect. I'll tell you a little bit of who God is. He is our final judge. He is our final judge. Again, it won't be yourself. It won't be your peers and your contemporaries. It won't be your families. It won't be your friends. It won't be anyone else but you Standing before Christ, giving an account for the life that you lived. Now think about that. Just again, a very simple statement of fact. The response to that statement is dependent upon who? It's dependent upon the individual listener. See, for me to be reminded that one day I'll stand before Christ and I will give an account for the life that he has given me, listen, that provokes certain thoughts and that provokes certain feelings and that provokes certain emotions. And what it provokes in me and what it provokes in you may be two completely different things. That's not the writer's fault, Paul's fault. That's just dependent upon me and that's dependent upon you and how we are living this life that God gave us. So this morning as we're reminded, I hope that we are at least, this morning as we're reminded that God is the final judge, that God is the final authority, that it is God who will determine whether or not our lives were lived in an acceptable form, I want to remind us of just a couple of the things that that might be important to God, which means they might ought to be important to us. As it relates to believers, not the unsaved, because the unsaved were dealing with a completely different kind of judgment. As it relates to the believers, think about this, in in relation to what we've studied in this series. God may be concerned about this question. Did you seek me first? above all other things in this life. So you may remember several weeks ago we asked this question, Who is God? And one of the things we were reminded of was the fact that He is our provider. But before God is the provider, what does the Scripture make clear over and over and over again? That you must seek God first. God has to be what drives us. God has to be what motivates us. God has to be what what is is stirring us in our Christian lives. That has to be the motivating factor in our lives. We might want to take into consideration what the Scripture said, that God is a jealous God. God's not content to be in second place, third place, fourth place, fifth place. God desires and God requires us to make him first in our lives. Friends, those are the types of things that will truly matter when we stand in the presence of God. I'm not saying that other things will not be considered. I'm not saying that other things will not be taken into consideration as to what we did in different areas of life. But I am saying this. I think the scripture would be clear that something that will be very important to God is, is where was I really at in your life? How important was I truly to you? Friends, I'll have to give an answer for that, and you'll have to give an answer for that. Why? Because of all the things that God is, he will be the final judge in my life. Because he is an unchanging God. Now, as I hear that, and as I'm reminded of that, and as you hear that, and as you're reminded of it, I have no idea what kind of response that provokes in your mind. But I would say this, that if God is not first in your life, that ought to be something that gets your attention. If right now God is just kind of a peripheral thing that you do occasionally, if God is something that you identify with but you don't really serve him, if you don't really seek him and his righteousness and his kingdom, if that's not really what you're pursuing, I would just encourage you in this matter that you might want to get serious about that because that is something that is pretty serious to our final uh, judge who is God. It might be important to God as to how much we gave attention to holiness. You know, repeatedly he said in the scripture, and we dealt with this, Be ye holy. Why do I need to be holy? Because I am holy. Listen, friends, holiness ought to be important to us. Becoming more and more like Christ ought to be important to us. It, it shouldn't be that, that, you know, we're comfortable to just kind of be playing games and to just be stale and stagnant in our Christian lives. It, it ought to be that we have this desire to become more and more like Him and shedding the old way and shedding the old man and the old habits and the old lifestyles and putting on the new. That should be important to us. Why? Because apparently it's important to God who we will one day stand before and give an account to by way of the life that we lived. He is our final judge. I think we'll stand before God at some point and have to answer this question. Was I really enough for you? Or did you need me plus something else? I mean, think about it. We we dealt with this in this study, did we not? God is enough, but how many times do we fail to remember that or we struggle to believe it? God is enough in my personal life. God is enough in my family life. God is enough in in whatever area of life I would need Him in. I, I, I just think that to an extent, I don't know how it's all going to play out, so don't assume that I'm telling you this is exactly how it'll be, and I know for sure I've got inside information. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I do believe that I'll have to give an account as to how much faith and confidence and trust I placed in the God that I claim to serve. I'll have to give some kind of an answer because he will be my final judge. Did I remember? And did I live with such an awareness that God is above me? That he and I are not equals. And that helped me to maintain my right relationship with him. That I didn't become flippant and refer to God as, you know, one of the cool guys and the things that we talked about in the previous sermon. Did I remember and did I maintain a right awareness of who God is, that He is above me and I must always remember that? Friends, I need to be reminded that this unchanging God that we serve is the final person that I will stand before and give an account to for the life that I lived. That is who God is. He will be my final judge. I'm going to say it one more time, not because you don't know it, but I want to make sure that we're clear on this. It will never, ever, ever, ever be my standard or your standard that we're measured by. It will never be the standard of culture, the one that we're a part of or any other culture. It will never be the standard of the culture that we're judged by. It'll not be our friends. It'll not be our family. It'll be us in the presence of God giving an answer for the life that we lived. It's a statement of fact. That may be encouraging, that may be discouraging, that may bring warmth to your thought process and a sense of gladness. It may scare you, it may concern you. I don't know, but that's dependent upon us and the relationship that we know we have with the Lord. And there really is coming a day, according to the Scripture, when we stand before the Lord that we will or will not hear something like this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But he'll be the one who determines that, not us. And so this morning, again, as we close this study, as we bring this series to an end, I just want to remind us, Of all the things that God is, a God of peace, a God of restoration, a God of provision, of all the things that God is, simply stated, he is the final judge. And if I know that he is the last person that I'll give an answer to, I probably need to make important in my life what the scripture has already told me is important to the heart of God. That is his word, that is his truth, and what he has revealed to mankind. And so this morning, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions. Very simple. The first question is this. By way of your salvation, are you comfortable if you had to stand before God right now today? If you had to stand before God right now, would you be able to say that you know without a doubt you have a right relationship with God because of your relationship through Jesus Christ? Has there ever been that day where you humbled yourself, acknowledged your sinful condition, and said, God, I know I cannot save myself. God, I know that my sin has separated me from you. And God, today I call upon you to save me. Are you comfortable knowing that you've called upon God to save you through Jesus Christ? Because if not, friends, there is not a more pressing matter in your life that needs to be present than that. But knowing most of us, I think most of us would say, Brother Kyle, I have no question about my eternal destination. I have no doubt as to whether or not I'm saved. I have no question whatsoever. That's good. It's wonderful. But I would then ask us to consider this. Where we're at right now, the way that we're living right now, who we are, the spiritual temperature that we're at right now, Are we ready to stand before the final judge today? Should that be required of us? We will stand before him one day. And we will give an account. That's who God is. And if we're not where we're supposed to be, if we're not where we need to be, if we're not giving serious effort to being that person, that we know we ought to be according to the truth of God's word, then today is a good day to get serious about serving the Lord like we ought We will stand before God. What does that conjure up in your mind? I don't know. But if it's not something you're comfortable with, you might want to start addressing what you know is lacking so that you can stand before God with as clear a conscience as possible. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning, I pray that you'd help us to recognize from the simple truth of this book of Romans in this 14th chapter. God, I pray that you'd help us to remember that in the end, it is not about us and what we think, It's not about what anyone else thinks. It is you and you alone that we will stand before and give an account to. God, I pray that you'd help us to take that reality very serious today. And however we need to respond, that you'd help us to do so. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.